Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, welcome and thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. We're here today with Courtney Anderson. Um, Courtney is doing very cool work around sobriety and sober curiosity, uh, particularly with women. She has a lot of really cool insights and resources for folks who are kind of thinking about that. I enjoyed this conversation just because I got to connect a little bit about my own journey. Um, And yeah, I learned a lot. This episode comes out right around National Sober Day, which I learned from Courtney, which is really cool. So if you're celebrating National Sober Day, happy holidays. And even if you're not, I hope there's still something you can take away from this conversation with Courtney. Um, Before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, Factor. You guys love Factor Meals, and I think you ought to look into it. Thanks for doing that and supporting the podcast. This is a very cool conversation. Stick around. I would love for you to introduce yourself. And one thing that I want to know about you is like, what lights you up? personally, not just professionally what you're doing and why we have you on the podcast, but like what's, and maybe it overlaps, who knows, but what's lighting you up? What gets you excited? So my name clearly is Courtney Anderson and I am a sober coach, podcast host, and now author. Uh, I created an online community called Sober Vibes and it's for, for women who are sober, sober curious. It's really about meeting them where they're at because not everybody is at the exact same place in their sobriety and recovery. Um, again, I host the Sober Vibes podcast and my book just came out called Sober Vibes, A Guide to Thriving in Your First Three Months Without Alcohol. Um, and I'm living in the suburbs of Detroit, married. I have a, yeah. a two-year-old who dictates me around on a daily basis. You have a two-year-old? Mm-hmm. I do. Oh, good yeah. night. You are right in the weeds. It, well, yeah. God he's, bless you. He, he's about to turn two in a couple weeks, so... But it's great. It's great. It's fun. Um, until he tells me no. She says that with tears in her eyes. It's yeah. fun. I'm yeah. loving it. <laughs> right. Um, so really, I have to say what what lights me up currently is the season of 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 this with my with being with my son and being able to be with him. You know, I fought the resistance and for a while being a mom. And once I accepted it, because you know, once you have a child, it's not like it's like oh my god I'm a mom I can connect with it, it takes takes some time um so really he lights me up currently um and always to helping people and and my book being out that's a dream come true so yeah. oh man I, I thought you were gonna say what lights me up is the season of the bear <laughs> either be watching the bear no I love that that's different from cocaine bear right that's yeah different. totally different from cocaine uh-huh. bear which I also loved but uh-huh. and it's also in Chicago not Detroit but uh-huh. Last night, there was a question in the episode that we watched that I've been starting to ask people. So what's the best meal you've ever had? Oh, Oh. interesting. God, that one's hard. I know. The best meal I've ever had. I think it just depends on too what season of life you're in, right? You know? Yeah, totally. Um, I can't even think of that. It's okay. Like the the cool part about this question is like you can sort of think about it for a while. Uh I was uh I was sailing last night with our mutual friend, Lauren I's mutual friend, and we were talking we about this question. We never mentioned by f- name. He's only our mutual friend. 
I like um, it. He's a regular, a regular guest on the podcast, never, but only just by mention. Yeah. <laughs> but there are four of us we were talking about, and uh, we we remembered a meal that Laura and I had with him, uh-huh. that the, the, our three families, the three of us and our spouses sat restaurant? down. And we basically just told the waiters and waitresses, like, bring us whatever you want. Like, cause we had a, we just sort of had an unlimited budget at that point for a specific reason. Not that we, not that we have unlimited budgets, but like we, we were like, <laughs> we just were bring us whatever. Something. And they fed yep. us, they fed us for like three and a half hours, just the most amazing food. So that's on the top of my list is oh. actually a meal I had with Laura and and with our mutual friend. I do have to say, my husband and I went to Baltimore many years ago, and we went to a restaurant. I can't even remember the restaurant's name, but we went, and it was one of those, you sat outside the water, and mm. it was lobster. And mm. with the yeah. mallets and beating the, uh, beating the yeah. lobster and eating, I have to say, like, that was a memorable meal. Yeah. Because yeah. of all the work, too, that went into it. But it was like, well, that's you it, know, right? picturesque, like- too. Yeah. That's it. You've uh-huh. got the setting. Uh-huh. You've got the people you're with. Yes. You've got the yeah. actual food that you ate. I mean, you can have the gourmet meal and, you know, your last meal and uh, on death row or something. And it's like going to taste great, but uh-huh. it's not going to maybe be the one or maybe it would be. I don't know. I'm, I've never been on death row. But um, that's why I like this question is that it like it it helps you kind of think about it. It does. And the Bear's a great show. And I was in the service industry for uh, over 20 years. So, yeah. I mean, everything about that show is spot on. Yeah. Spot about a restaurant? Uh-huh. It's about a restaurant oh, yeah, right. in Chicago. Yeah. Boy, that'd be Are you on season one or season two? We just finished season one last night. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. Season two, it gets so much better, too. Yeah. Oh, now yeah, yeah. you guys have piqued my interest. You got to well, It really is one of the best shows and, and it's just so well written. And then even yeah. to season two, they start bringing in like exceptional actors and the the acting these actors yeah. did was, is incredible. Awesome. Well, also <laughs> what, what we realized, we watched two last night and the second to last episode of season one is meant to be viewed as though it's a one shot. It's about a half an hour show and it's a one uh-huh. shot the entire oh, they never the cut. entire episode. Uh-uh. Never cuts. Wow. Um, that's really and there's cool. movie magic that kind of makes that possible, but it you're watching the the one about twenty-five minute series like of interactions in this restaurant. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's uh-huh. really cool. Did you okay. watch Succession real quick? Because they did- I can't watch Succession. No. I can't watch it. It's- I can't watch shows about horrible people. It just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't Well there was an episode in the last season where they did that same thing where there was yeah. once like whole scene they shot in live for like 25, 30 minutes and it was it was impressive. That's awesome. Okay, but watch this. I was trying to sneak up on you. Not really, but I am sneaking up on you because whenever you talk about food, you kind of have to talk about alcohol. Like it's yeah. part of the, oh, the gig, right? Like, uh, what a segue. Well, I segue. didn't do it on purpose, but like mm-hmm. I'm sitting here going, yeah. And part of what was so amazing about the meal that even Laura and I had was that they paired everything with these like lovely cocktails that were amazing. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you're watching, you know, the restaurant industry show and the, the way they come down at the end of the day is they, uh-huh. they, all, they all pour themselves a drink and they figure that out. And it's so ingrained and, just sort of the way we live and move and breathe. And I don't, I don't mind telling you and everybody else in the world knows I got sober about three years ago. So I, I've been on my own sort of, uh, path of discovery in this space, but I would love to hear about like how you're actually helping people and how does it work? And it sounds like you're working primarily with women and Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's tee it up so that you can add value to the people who might be listening and thinking about their own, their own process. They're sober curious. I love that phrase. 
I feel like I dip in and out of sober curiosity. And a lot of people do, you know, I mean, it's, it's just all where you're at currently and how alcohol plays a role in your life. But Zach, I want to say congrats to you on three years. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me tell you something. I, I always, I always tell people this because here's the one thing I want to make very clear, clear. People congratulate me all the time. And I just don't, it doesn't resonate for me. Like it's not a word that I embrace. I, I appreciate the sentiment for sure. What I feel primarily about my sobriety is gratitude. Yeah. Like I feel so thankful. Um, I don't feel proud. I don't feel like I've accomplished something. Mm. I feel free of a thing that was really burdening to me. So I appreciate, thank you for saying congratulations. And I always want to clarify because I don't feel like I did something. I feel like I, I feel like I got, I got some, uh, some myself back and I feel thankful about that. So mm-hmm. I understand um, that. I felt like that in the beginning for sure, because for some, like for me, it was matter. It was getting to the point of it's a matter of life or death. I was slowly killing myself totally. um, yeah. by the way that I was drinking and showing up in my life. And when I got sober as well, it was every morning I would wake up and just say, thank you for another day without drinking. Yeah. And that's what I, li- I mean, I still live in the gratitude state, not, um, but it it is one of those things. And then other people will congratulate you. And it's like, it's just a part of life and what I have to do, you know? Yeah. So how long have you been sober? Uh, as of tomorrow on August 18th, 11 years. Oh, why not? Cool. So, wow. so yeah. So yeah. So um, when I got in, how Sober Vibes was created was actually, I was, I was participating with the program with AA for a, in a summer and I was listening to all of the women. And this was about after three, three years, four years of me being sober. And I sat at a woman's table and I listened and I was like, there's got to be more to this. There's mm-hmm. got to be more, it's more empowerment and where you can start getting out and living life without alcohol. Cause you don't just quit drinking alcohol to, um, to sit at your, your, and not participate in right. life. Right. Yeah. Like I understand yeah. that yeah. it, that it's, it's hard to go out, but after a couple of years, it's like, you got to start putting one foot in front of the other and slowly transitioning your life back into the real world mm-hmm. because alcohol is so embedded and ingrained in our society and has been for hundreds of years. This is nothing yeah. new. This yeah. is nothing new. Um, so I then that out of that summer created what I called uh, the Sober Vibes Sober Social Club and met with women in the program for a couple months and and created something for us to do together because a lot of women were like, I don't have anybody to go out with or feel safe with. You know, I would love mm. to go to a Tigers game, but I, I can't do that because everybody would be drinking around me. And then eventually, because it just got hard to do with schedules, that I took it to the online space and created Sober Vibes. Mm. So it was something I needed at the time and also to what I was hearing from other from other women. I have a couple of thoughts, uh-huh. which um, is this whole mommy what do they call it like mommy wine culture Uh or something like that Uh so when I think of getting sober I think of like kind of the description that you said is like it was slowly killing me I think of people that have the shakes if they're not drinking and so I immediately just say that's not me yeah I don't need to get sober I just need to moderate 
<laughs> and then um, I have on this other shelf this whole like mommy drinking culture, uh-huh. which is things that I'm seeing like we go to the park and we hang out with our kids, but we also have our wine you know, our purse wine. And that's what we do. It's in our, you know, our mugs where it looks like we're drinking our ice water, but it's really Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the things that actually the reason why I thought your setup was so interesting because you're working specifically with women. Can you speak a little bit to how you might begin to think about, I might be sober curious because I don't consider myself an alcoholic or I don't consider myself really having an issue, but I'm also drinking every day and it's deeply ingrained in the culture that I exist in. Yeah, I have to say this first because everybody thinks that if they don't have a physical dependence, that they're not bad. But at the Mm. end of the day, I'm going to say about 90 to 95% of people have this emotional dependence on alcohol. Mm. So like you just said, like even just going to a park and and bringing wine out of your purse (laughs) with the other moms, why does that need to be a thing? Why can't you just be pulling soda waters out? What is it about alcohol that there is that emotional dependency for anybody mm-hmm. where it's this there's so much investment people put into alcohol of making it a good time being able yeah. to connect with people being able to so, like socialize dropping down anybody's own like social anxiety that they have you know yeah so yeah you have to look at it more as an emotional dependence because years we've been thrown in the media like oh if, if you're not living under the, br- the bridge where you got to go get right, medical right. detox, exactly. you're good. Yeah. But there's high functioning. So, yeah. and, and like I said, with the emotional dependence. So it's mm-hmm. really, you have to ask yourself that. It's like, is, is alcohol helping me show up in my life of how I want to show up? Is this helping okay. me or hurting me? Right. Courtney, do you know of this resource called Almost Alcoholic? No, I've not what? heard of What that. is that? I talk, I talk about it with clients all the time. It, it's a, I found it like in in my kind of my whole process and journey, but these two guys out of Princeton and they were trying to define what, how alcoholism worked. And so they had started with two categories and, and on the right you had, no, on the left you had normal social drinking. Uh-huh. So these are people who just like, for them, it's just not an issue. Maybe they have a glass of wine with dinner and they're like, that was lovely. I'm going to go, but you know, and then the, over here on the left, no, on the right you had alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And in our business, like if you want to get covered for treatment and alcoholism, you have to tick a couple boxes. You have to yeah. have gotten a DUI or have you lost your job or, you know, did it like that have to be uh-huh. like measurable things. Uh-huh. And then, then what they ultimately defined was about everybody on the planet is in between those two things. Um, and they defined that range as almost alcoholic. Yeah. It's, um, it's very similar to the alcohol use disorder. That's kind of what's yeah. taken over in that you look at the, you look at drinking mm. now is yeah. on a spectrum and where you fall in that spectrum. Mm. And the philosophy of that whole book is about move left. doesn't matter if you're right on the edge of alcoholism or you're just right on the edge of normal social drinking. It's just move to the left, move toward mm. normal social drinking uh-huh. in a way that, that, uh, that I think addresses some of what you're talking about, the dependency things, not so strictly with your body, but your mind and your thinking and that sort of thing. So it sounds like that's what you're trying to do as you are crafting sober vibes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because like I said, nobody, nobody is at the same spot 
no one's, you know, when you get ready to quit drinking, it's not, everybody is not the same. And that's why it's, there's no one size fits all for whatever help you choose to do in your recovery and sobriety, you know? So, so yes, I am just, I'm coming from more of a place of empowering sobriety and not shaming. If you relapse, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit there and point your point a finger and be like, well, you need to get back up and tell me to start at day one. That's not me yeah. to decide. Some minds and brains don't, work counting days. It's too much for them. It's too overwhelming. Okay. I have big questions now, (laughs) which is you wrote a guide to getting (laughs) sober within the first three months. Why are we talking about three months? What's the magic of that number? Because three months is the most crucial, I believe. And the, the time frame to set a pretty good solid foundation for yourself. You think about when a person start when they think like, okay, I'm going to quit drinking. Then they think for a year, right? It gets way right. too overwhelming yeah. and it's yeah. too much for some people. So I do, tr- I truly do believe And going back to the philosophy of one day at a time, if yeah. you just stick to one day at a time and just kind of take it every couple months and what happens the first three months isn't going to happen in from, th- from four to seven months and so on. I mean, it's very huh. different stages where you're at in your sobriety. And I think Zach, you could probably say that, that too, like after your first year, it's very different than, you know, each year is very different. So the first three months, it's it's really giving help to people to mm-hmm. make yeah. it past those 90 days. Yeah. Incidentally, it's also the clinical rep- uh, ref- uh, recommendation. If you're, if you're looking for couples therapy while in the midst of active addiction and that active addiction needs attention, uh-huh. y- y- usually we say, you should wait about 90 days. You should be about 90 days sober before you try to do couples therapy. Oh, yeah. Um, because your brain is just different. Your brain's different uh, once you've kind of purged minimally the kind of the dependence, your body's dependence, your brain's dependent on on that stuff. But um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think 90 days is also, in my mind, it's always a measure of like, oh, I did something. Uh-huh. If I did it for 90 days, I've definitely done it. If I did it for 60 or a month or something I don't know if I've done it yet. Yeah. And then plus too, like even two years, you can get to 60 days and your mind can start playing tricks on you to be like, oh, well, my drinking wasn't that bad. It wasn't. See, I d- yeah. I, I made it 60 days. You got to get past that 60 day hump. It truly is because 60 days, there is something where your mind starts playing tricks on you and it will talk you right back to going. And then you start the whole cycle over. You might not be when you have that first drink after 60 days, you might not be where you completely started. You will eventually get back there. And I have to speak to this. I think for people, once there is a problem already with alcohol, there is no no then moderation. You know, mm. there's no there's no mm. going back to try to start at 19 again to be like, oh, okay, this could be innocent again. It does it just doesn't work that way. That's why a lot of people end up relapsing and, and going back to where they started mm. before when they quit drinking. So what are it's interesting. I've had the one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you, one is this conversation that Zach and I have been having for years, but mm-hmm. also um 
literally like three days ago, I sit down and my husband has a heart condition and he was in the ER and the doctor looked at him and he said, you cannot moderate alcohol with this heart condition. Mm -hmm. It's not something like you are not a normal social drinker. Not that he can't because he's done a great job of just being able to not overdo, but literally you cannot drink alcohol. This is something you can't do. And I also have had other people in my life where for whatever reason, like they are getting ready to have a baby and it's like now is the time for us to reevaluate alcohol in our relationship because Mm -hmm. we're bringing children in. So I'm finding that people may not be recognizing it as I have a complicated relationship with alcohol, but there's these other factors that are coming into my life at this moment where I need to make a decision. I need to either get on or get off. So here's the question that I have for you with relationship with relation to relationships is what does the other partner do? Like in the instance of my husband who just cannot moderate alcohol, he needs to be off of it completely. How do I support him? Does that mean that I also should be not drinking? Or if I have a friend that's trying to get sober, do I not drink with them? And I'm like, how do I support my person in this relationship? Yeah. So my boyfriend who I was with at the time, he actually quit drinking alcohol with me. He didn't have a problem, but I mean, alcohol showed up how it did in his life. And just by the time he hit, like, I think he was 31 or 32 at that time. And the man would have two beers and be hung over. He is now my Mm -hmm. husband today, but he quit, he quit drinking alcohol. And honestly, that is, and this is what I've always told him. I thank you for the support, especially in those early years, because I don't think I would have been able to continue on without that mm-hmm. support, mm-hmm. especially having alcohol in the home. Okay. So I'm like, but you are more than welcome if you want to drink. I'm just still asking you to this day, I don't want alcohol in the home. And he was like, I've made okay. it this far. He was like, if we ever go to Germany, I am going to have a beer in Germany. I was like, As, please do. Please, you know, but like, that's what, uh, if for, I'm sure it would have been amazing. Yeah. Laura and I went to Germany earlier this year. Oh, did, you? Like, Germany. All, did you? I was like, all I want is like, just to have the experience of sitting here in this True. sunny little village yeah. town with <laughs> having a German beer. And you know, it. what's funny about that story is I went to Germany with the desire not to drink. Uh-huh. And I remember we made it to like day two and I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is just so, like, listen, if I was in Italy early on in my sobriety, no way. Like, you know, it's it is. It's because it's like romanticized when that mm-hmm. sense. But um, sure. what I do love now, though, is there's a lot of options of NAs. You know, if that doesn't yeah. trigger you, have one. You know, so. But for your instance, like yes, you'll have to have that conversation with your husband. And even yeah. if he says no, you can drink. Be like, oh, yeah, don't, don't, just don't for don't. like ninety days to see how you are feeling or. Keep the drinking outside of the home if you go out with with girlfriends or or friends, yeah. whoever you know. And then if yeah. the same thing goes with a friend. And okay. I had ex- I have extremely good friends, and I have one. When her and I would go out to dinner, she would be like, "Are you okay if I have a glass of wine?" And I yeah. never was like, "Oh my god, please!" I always said, "Thank you, thank you for acknowledging a boundary." Do you get what I'm saying? Like, because, and I would always be like, and then I would be like, you are fine, but I appreciate you for, for going that extra mile and being considerate Mm -hmm. because you'll get some animals around you who just don't give enough. And they're just like sloshing Mm -hmm. back shots in front of you. And you're sitting there like, God, yeah, I currently hate you guys. (laughs) What I'm taking from what you just said is 
be respectful of the first 90 days and don't bring alcohol into the home. Like with my husband, if we go out to eat, don't order a, a glass. And that, if I'm with a friend, I won't even, I mean, I, what I just learned is I'm not even going to ask, hey, do you mind if I have a drink or does it bother you? Just within the at least the first 90 days, don't drink alcohol when you're with somebody who is trying to be sober for whatever reason. Um, maybe they're sober curious or maybe uh -huh. they really need to just completely be sober. Don't even ask. Just don't order an alcoholic beverage. Yeah, or even, even take them, you know, instead of into a restaurant, go have coffee with them or go see, go get yeah, a pedicure. Go for a walk. Yeah, go for a walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's what I really try to do is empower people who are quitting because it's always like, you know, for a lot of people who do have problems with alcohol, there's people pleasing. And so yeah. even too, when you get sober, you're like you feel like you still have to go along with the program to keep these friends. And where mm -hmm. I come from, it's like, no, empower yourself and start switching it up. Go ask to, to go to breakfast. Okay. Go mm -hmm. ask to go get a coffee. You don't have to keep doing the same old same with these mm -hmm. people anymore. Switch mm -hmm. it up. Okay. I like that. What are some other things that we need to be doing in the first 90 days that is going to help with our sobriety? I always tell people to take a like a 30 day social socializing break. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, like, and when I say that, like, please don't stop putting yourself in happy hour situations. Stop going mm -hmm. to restaurants in those first 30 days. I get you might have to do a social event with your children at their school or that is fine. But then okay. go home afterwards. You know, too many nowadays, it's like people are trying to put themselves back in these very triggering situations mm -hmm. to what? Prove a point to yourself. You don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. You are very vulnerable in those first 30 to 90 days. But I just suggest because it's like you got to detox your system of all of it. It's you yeah. have to you have to rebalance your nervous system and just being in those those spaces can be very triggering to people so early mm -hmm. on and mm -hmm. if you do that it's going then to help you in the long run because this is a continuous marathon you don't just arrive at sobriety <laughs> one day and you're like i have done it <laughs> i have conquered this thing because you always have to keep being aware that it can take you out at any minute. This is why people yeah. are like, I know I knew somebody who was sober for 25 years and went out. Wow. Yeah. They're sober again, but it's like you, you hear this where it's like after 10 years of sobriety. So it's just, you can't ever yeah. get so like, you can't stop, dis you can't stop disrespecting the process. You got always got to respect sobriety. So yeah. if you take yourself out of the equation for a little bit of all of the social scene, it will yeah. help you in the long run. Okay. I think that's really important perspective. I'm sitting here kind of going, do I agree with Courtney? Oh. Do I agree? Do I agree? Because uh, and in some places I actually don't. And, and I think that's because everybody's journey is mm -hmm. different. Yeah, like there's totally. just sort of a different sort of thing. But the thing I think that helps is if you are playing the long game, mm. if you are thinking about the long run, which means that everything that you do right now is not about right now. Mm -hmm. It's about when your kids are five years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, when you're about, when you're, when you're hanging out with your adult children and you're, you're you know what I mean? Like I, that's been it for me. Like I was like, oh my God, my kids are going to have to go to ACOA meetings, adult children of alcoholic meetings. I was like, I don't want that to happen. So I started to like kind of rewind it a little bit. Um, and but I think, I think if you, if I, I like this notion, particularly if, if sober vibes has this, 
um, emphasis on the long run. And here's how you set yourself up for success in the long run in the short term. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I would want to say is like, I remember being in AA meetings. I went to a lot in my first year and I, in my first year, I was, you know, counting days and I was like, Oh, I've got a hundred. I've got 200. I've got 300. And then in this middle of that same context, there'd be men and women both who were like, I'm on day one again. Mm -hmm. I'm on day one again. Uh, you know, and, and I was like, wait, you started the same as me, mm -hmm. but you know what I found out in my body? I have a lot of respect for people who keep coming back to the process after they go out, <laughs> probably even more than I have for people who have 11 years or 35 years or, you know, whatever. I'm like, if you go out and come back and go out and come back, come back that, that that's, that's a real commitment to the long game mm -hmm. in terms of trying to, to, to make it work. So I think setting yourself up with these little experiments, maybe that it sounds like you're, you're offering is really really wise. Yeah. I had to sit my ass in home for 90 days when I quit during, I binge. Yeah. This was back in 2012 when like streaming just came around. I had to sit <laughs> and I modge podge picture frames and was like art <laughs> and crafting Binge watching Friday Night Lights, which like God bless that show. You know what yeah, I mean? Like amen. that is what I had to Could do worse. Taylor Kitchen, <laughs> I have a, a little Tim Riggins action. <laughs> I mean, it's just such. I had to watch something wholesome. I had to stop with all yeah. of the Housewives. I'm like, this is too much right now. But I yeah. will return, and I had mm -hmm. to watch something wholesome and like just to just to sit down because you got to sit yeah. down eventually and just uh, focus on yourself and, and stop with everything on the outside. It reminds me of this really fun memory that we have of my daughter, Mary, she's 16 right now, but I, I found a, I got a Facebook memory the other day of her when she was three years old, three years old. Uh -huh. And she said, dad, she's holding a wiffle ball bat. Can I hit birds with this? <laughs> this is who this kid is. But she would walk around her house with no top on. She just had her like her, her, pants or shorts and then this long like shoulder length scraggly hair and she was our little mini tim riggins oh, just walk, walking no, around like i don't, I don't give a f <laughs> and you're just in my way and i'm not going to listen to you if i don't want to so right i was um, wondering where you're going with that but now i see the reference funny. to tim riggins my yeah, boyfriend this, this kid though this is the kid who would want to hit birds with a wiffle ball bat but also just was just walking around and doing her thing like awesome. I have to say if there was one reunion that I would really really support it would be that show so I really need yeah. I need coach Taylor to get it together because he's the one yeah. who won't he's the one who won't do it Hey gang, you may or may not remember that in my 40s, I changed my relationship with alcohol. It was a great decision. I'm really glad I did it. Um, and I'm glad to be where I'm at now. In my 50s, I've decided to change my relationship with food. Um, this has been an ongoing journey for me and I'm excited to be on it. And I'm actually very excited to have discovered Factor. You guys, I love cooking, but I also love not cooking. And Factor Meals has been a revolution in my food journey. Basically, I go online and I pick out the meals that I want and they send me in my case, six meals that come every single week, and they are delicious. I'm not kidding you. I suppose I used to have a bias, probably comes from my childhood against something that felt like TV dinners, but these are the exact opposite. They're actually gourmet style meals, and you can sort of choose from whatever you want. If you want protein heavy or calorie light, or if you want keto or paleo, they have all the options. I tend to stay pretty basic, but if you want to level up, you can go with gourmet options, and they're prepared by chefs and ready to eat. Uh, you know, it takes two minutes. So I just pop my fork in a thing, pop, 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 and then put it in for two minutes. Then what I'll do is I'll put it on a nice plate, take it outside, and I'll eat it like a meal and it really does feel amazing. I like the variety of meals. They have lots that you can choose from, um, but I also like that they have extra stuff that you can add if you want to, like apple cinnamon pancakes and bacon cheddar egg bites, 
And there are lots of other ways that you can sort of level up. They've got fresh pressed juices and shakes and smoothies. With Factor also, you can rest assured that you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, and they source 100% renewable electricity for production sites and offices. And if seafood is your thing, all of that is sustainably sourced in their meals. So this September, get Factor and enjoy eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door and they're ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Like I said, I love cooking, I love not cooking. And this really has helped me change my relationship with food. So head to factormeals.com slash MTR50. And if you use the code MTR50, you'll get 50% off. That's code MTR50 at factormeals.com slash MTR50 to get 50% off. I really hope you'll check it out. It's a great way to support Marriage Therapy Radio. Thanks again to Factor for sponsoring this episode. Let's get back to our show. Okay, I have to go back to this idea. Um, I was on, let's see here, social media, a friend of mine in college. I mean, we used to just light it up in college and be sloppy, sloppy drunk girls. Uh, white girl drunk, I believe, is the terminology that we used to use. Uh-huh. And um, she said, I have lost 18. It was an image of a refrigerator. And it's the fridge that is out in the garage. If you have one of those, you know, you know. For men, it's filled with beer. For her, it's filled with soda water and all the alternatives. And she said, I've lost 18 pounds because I cut alcohol out of my life. Uh-huh. And for uh-huh. her, it was maybe, you know, like a weight thing or whatever. But I think it was also part of mom culture. Uh-huh. And so what she did was she just filled it all with all the other alternative beverages. Is that also something that people can do? And Zach and I have talked about, like, he's gone through many iterations of the alternative beverages. And I'm like very critical of all of them. But yeah. Is that a thing? Is that a strategy? Yeah. Are you talking about like NAs and NAs? Soda water, and mostly. Well, let's say you stop drinking alcohol. What are you supposed to start what drinking? What do you do? Because I feel like there's like a replacement. My girlfriend started chewing ca- like candy. Yeah. That was her thing in sobriety, but... Yeah. You do whatever you need to do to, to not drink alcohol that day. Yeah. I mean, I used to crush Diet Cokes. I used to crush Diet yep. Cokes like no other. And like yeah. I can, and cutting that was terrible. That but was your I used, thing, to, right, I used to crush Diet Cokes yeah. too, but they always had bourbon in it. Oh, oh okay. you know, bur- yeah. yeah. Well, you went to something. It was like, it was a, well, what did you well, go to? I, actually, it's true. When I was drinking, I drank a lot of Diet Coke, but, uh, my drink of choice was always beer or like rum and uh, bourbon and Coke. Mm-hmm. And so when I stopped drinking, drinking, I actually stopped drinking soda. I actually stopped drinking Diet Coke altogether. Hmm. And so I now drink mostly like water with stuff in it. Yeah. So either be the electrolytes or zip fizz mm-hmm. or some kind of protein drink or something. But yeah, I basically drink water, sometimes milk, ginger ale. And then I do, I do like non-alcoholic beers, especially yeah. good ones. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What they have on the market so. now. So these beers are getting Isn't better and better. Yeah. I yeah. just yeah. like whatever that's, I always do a disclaimer with like mocktails or NAs. Like if they oh. don't trigger you, then have fun with them. If they cool. do, then don't drink them. Like don't feel pressured. Feel like you just cause you quit drinking alcohol. You need to dip your toe into that. It's that's mm-hmm. a personal choice, but yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever beverage that doesn't help you or that gets you through not drinking another day, crush them. Go for it. Well, you said something too that I think is makes people nervous, which is this idea of like whatever it takes to not drink alcohol that Mm -hmm. day. And and I would begin to fear, and I think I did begin to fear, like, wait, I have to organize my entire life around not drinking alcohol. How do you how do you help people with that? Or is that in fact, yeah, you do for thirty or sixty or ninety days? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely those first couple months, but like going back to Laura saying that her friend mm -hmm. crushed candy. 
Okay. Or A can't. I I mean, Mm -hmm. I did the same thing too, because what happens for some people, and this is why it's so different for everybody. I'm not, I I mean, especially for women, when that sugar, the the sweet tooth comes in after you kick alcohol and you get this (laughs) sweet tooth and women then fear because I've heard this from so many, I don't want to gain weight. I have, now I'm eating, I'm replacing cupcakes with alcohol. It's like, well, you need to choose your heart right now because you're not always going to have that sugar addiction. But if it's helping you the first couple months and you, in one cupcake or a piece of candy or Mm. six LaCroix, you know, help you. This is the long game. It's the long game. So that's why you just have to really just hone in. You know, I don't, I don't ever want to come from fear-based because that was projected to me in my uh, my early, those first couple years of sobriety. You know, people said that I shouldn't go back to bartending and I did. And if I would have listened to that, this would have all looked different, you know? So um, you just have to do what works best for you in the day to day. You went back to bartending. I did. I knew. Yes. I was like, what? You yep. bartended after you got sober? Yep. So when I got sober, I was transitioning into the medical field full time. I was I was uh, working in a pain clinic. And after a couple of years, you know, you have this clarity when you wake up uh, after you quit drinking. And I realized I was like, well, this isn't what I want to do. And I was <laughs> introduced to a uh, MLM and that got me into coaching. And so before, right before I got married, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I, I thought I wanted to go into nursing. I'm like, I don't want to do this. And I was able to get my job back at the bar I was working at or previous to the pain clinic. And I quit that nine to five and I uh, bartended. And I have wow. to say, because a lot of people don't know this, there are a lot of sober people sober in bartenders, the yeah. hospitality industry. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I know lots of sober addicts. bartenders. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I mean, and then it is and then people get sober in the business. And I yeah. always had people be like, oh, you don't you shouldn't do it. And I worked my first shift and I was like, that was empowering. This actually doesn't bother me. You know, I'm I'm yeah. somebody who can compartmentalize. It's not like I was handing out business cards being like, here's a shot of vodka. Call me. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, it was what it does because I am also to a person where I'm I'm not going to judge you for drinking. That is your choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a judger in that sense, you know, just that's your life decision. And I can't, I can't be the one to be like, you have a problem. So. So you're not going to judge, but did it not have an experience? I mean, I think we've all had the experience of being sober in an environment where normally we would not be sober. And it is really, really eye-opening when you are in an environment as the sober person. So I'm imagining you being sober, being Mm -hmm. a bartender, Mm -hmm. and being around people who, I mean, I'm not going to say you overserved them, but being around people who are really lighting it up. And it's like, I think it just gives you such a different perspective and even appreciation for being sober at that moment to be, have new eyes in a new environment. Well, when I went back, I made a boundary and my boundary was I would not work nights. So I worked Mm. during, I worked during the day and the place that I worked at, it was, um, it was a tavern. So it Mm -hmm. was, you know, um, it was almost like a cheers. So uh, that was, and it was through when I went back, I don't work there last summer, I left for good, but um, I, I made that boundary. 
I'm just going to well, work night or days. And the few and far between that they asked me to work nights, then those nights I was like, I don't miss this midnight, you know, but that right. wasn't, it wasn't a judgment on these people. It was just the fact no. of that this, you can see at a party where people come in and you can see what happens as alcohol takes control and then it never ends well for one to two people in that in the mix so um so yeah Yeah. I mean it always like I said from the get I led with gratitude and so that even just it it I think that gratitude and that that foundation I built for myself that's why I was (laughs) able to do what I did it's not for everybody definitely not um but for me it it was it worked yeah Yeah. (laughs) I think you, you've said a word a couple of times that I think is actually at the heart of this, uh, which is this idea of empowerment. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. Like, does it feel empowering to quit drinking or does it feel, um, you know, restrictive? I mean, those are different mindsets altogether. Like if I'm losing something, then I, I don't want to do that. But if I'm gaining something like power, uh-huh. then that I think that's the angle that is most sustainable. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, if I'm just depriving myself of a thing that I love and woe is me and I can't go to a party, like I don't want to live that life. But if I feel like, Hey, I'm, I can, I can go to a party. I can actually go to a party more effectively uh-huh. than I used to, or I can do my job as a bartender more effectively or as a therapist, I guess. And, um, and that feels like empower, or I can hang out with my family and my kids. I don't know. I think, I think that when that click happens for people, it definitely accelerates the healing process. Absolutely. And I have to say in my bartending days sober, I was, I did not overserve because like from my heart, I would be like, I'm worried about you. Just in the simple fact of like thinking to myself, oh my God, you could trip and fall and, and bust your head. You know, like, how are you getting home? All of this type of stuff where drinking me was like whooping it up with yeah. with all of these people in my bartending days and I didn't give it you know I didn't care it's like yeah. what you're good because I was also uh-huh. under the influence so absolutely so, yeah so it actually made me a better bartender in my sober days because from I I had a heart uh-huh. <laughs> I care when you just now when you just now use the phrase because I was also under the influence you may, did you have this experience where you're under the influence of alcohol, even if you're not drinking? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. Like I'm under the influence. I might not be drunk. I might not even have had a drink today, but I'm definitely under the influence oh of alcohol. That's the part, that's the part for me that actually became most sobering, I think. Well, yeah, because you have to think too, the t- even if you weren't under the influence, right? You were still thinking about the next drink or you were right. thinking about your, 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 the, shame that carried, you know, and it's, it's different mm-hmm. for men and women. And so from, from my perspective, it was like, I carried this shame for so many years of so many events that ca- it was just mm. kept trickling down in a compound effect. And like, every time I would drink you, I would feel all of those events again. So, and even if I just went a couple days, it was then well, and that's where the freeing part comes in. Uh-huh. It was like, I can't wait to get my next drink. The amount mm-hmm. of time people spend thinking about alcohol who have problems with alcohol, with thinking about alcohol, the act of drinking or the fallout, it's a 24-hour cycle. Yeah. yeah you're always under the influence. Which goes always, back to the well, 60, 90-day thing. Like, how do you get rid of not strictly the the habit or the routine of it, but the, 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 the thinking pattern that emerges? Mm-hmm. Like, And when do you give yourself credit for going, hey- 
I did it. I'm there. Oh my God. And I worked with uh, a man last summer and because primarily I work with women and he did this pie chart and he, and one of our sessions, he was like, he, he said, he was like, I mean, the amount of time I would spend just around alcohol in a 24 hour period under the influence of alcohol. It's like that woke him up to see how much time and energy was truly going in to just like a small period of that instant gratification, you know, just a couple hours of drinking and Mm. numbing out. Yeah. Okay. I have one, one more question for you. And this is something that as I was looking at the, by the book, um, which I'm looking at it on Amazon. So cool that it's now available. Yes. I tell me about Getting sober and sober sex. What is that all about? Is that a thing? Is that something that you're working with women on trying to identify a new sexual relationship with their partner when one or both are no longer drinking? Yeah, I mean, especially in the first 90 days with women, especially because a lot of sexual experiences with a partner was under the influence. So mm-hmm. when you have to have sex, when when the, you don't have to, but when the, when it comes up, it's very you're it's so vulnerable to mm-hmm. that experience, even if you were with somebody for 10 years, you yeah. know? So it's really just working through that process of for women especially, you need to wait till you feel comfortable. Mm. So is that something that you might even recommend for folks that might be sober curious? I don't, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to see what this is like for the first 90 days, just saying, let's just take sex off the table for a little bit. Kind of like how you said, take a 30 day social break from your friends and going out for happy hour and those types of things. Like just put it down for a moment. Yeah. I mean, expe- and, and that all depends if you're in a relationship or not too, you know, because mm. I can't, Yeah, it's, it's sometimes for people getting into a relationship so early on in sobriety is not the, not the move for them. And then there's yeah. women who are on relationships, but your body also goes through this process of detox and pause, which is post-acute withdrawal syndrome. So you're very tired. <laughs> And you, you, you might not have the energy to then give to your partner sexually mm-hmm. when all you just want to do is sleep and not be touched. So, yes, sure. if if currently right now the um, the thought of sex is you're just not down with it. Yes. Give it take a pause on it and just mm-hmm. reevaluate it in a couple weeks, whatever works best for you. And to be open with your partner at that time. Like, mm. hey, man, I'm going through this, however you want to word it, yeah. but like you have to openly <laughs> communicate that, you know. So one of the one of the keys to success here, particularly for people who are in a relationship, is kind of the agreement or collaboration of their with their partner. Yes. Whether that's, hey, I agree also not to drink alcohol in the home or, hey, I agree that we're going to reevaluate our sexual life for the next 30, 60, 90 days. It's reasonable to to expect uh, your partner to participate with you. Mm-hmm. And it's also reasonable to expect to be challenging if they're not going to. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Because that that's, that's, that's where it's hard to say, because I don't on the other end, like yeah. you could be with somebody who is very sexually charged and I don't know what, yeah. and you actually, the person could have just been taken out alcohol just to be with the person sexually. Like that. Or who's drinking maybe more problematic than yours. Right. Like, so you say, hey, can you help me with this? And they don't have their own capacity to do that. Then, 
then yeah, that's where I go back to the long game and this idea of empowerment. Those two things I think are going to resonate with me for quite a bit. And that's the thing. I mean, it's it's okay to voice your opinion. It's okay to voice your want or your need. You know, I know that's very scary for some people, but this is this this is what's amazing about people who uh, get sober. You get to live two lives in one. So you have the one before you quit drinking, and then you have this one where you quit drinking and you're like, all right, how's this life going to look for me? Because I can totally create this however I want to. So if it is yeah. me starting to stick up for myself and voice voice what I need, I'm going to do it. <laughs> wow. So I'm a woman and I'm thinking about Courtney's program and I'm interested in maybe checking it out. I'm who's your ideal who like who's the woman that needs to like check you out and what is it called sobervibes.com or something like if i well, why would i go there I, well my my website is courtneyrecovered.com um and okay. yes you can you can go there and apply to work with me one on one i do have some uh, a group program as well with meetings in there and i always work with women between the the ages of 40 to 60 Okay. Majority of them always live in Texas. I always, I always attractive <laughs> Texas gal, and nice it, Texas market. Yes, okay. and I don't know if that's because I was born in Texas. I don't know, but the the Texans, the Texans like okay. help. So, um, yeah. but I I work mainly with the the high achieving woman who's ready to okay. quit drinking alcohol and who has tried and tried and tried herself and ends up coming to me. At the okay. end. I'm a 40 to 60 year old um, high achieving woman who, who, who has tried Texas. a bunch of other <laughs> ways, who lives in Texas and has tried to quit drinking before and it hasn't quite clicked for me. Uh-huh. Well, I'm your ideal client. Yeah. And who, who is ready, who is good and tired because that's who I end up working yeah. with, who have tried the avenues, who have tried 12 steps, you know, all of that. And it just, it did not vibe with them. And what they end up liking is that support and accountability and talking with somebody who, who gets it, you know, it's very, it's a very vulnerable, um, intimate space that I create with my one-on-one clients. Wow. Well, I'm I'm excited to just have you as a reference and Thank also you. very excited. I, your book on Amazon, it looks like it literally just came out days ago. It came out so, on it came out on the 15th. It came out on the awesome 15th. How awesome is yes. that? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Congratulations. Um, thank you. That's that's congratulations. That yeah. is very cool. Thank and you. also the podcast. Folks can find you on your own podcast, right? Yep. On Sober Vibes podcast, which is on all, um, on, on all the podcasts. Yeah, y'all can stalk Courtney. You can find her. She's all over the place. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining Marriage Therapy Radio. It's just, it's always a pleasure to learn about new things and and looking at all the aspects of life that can impact a relationship. And um, this was just really helpful for me personally, just to learn about. But you can't work with her because you're not 40 yet. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I'm working on being a high achieving woman in Texas. Right. Right. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. It was great talking to both of you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. Thank you to Courtney, Courtney Anderson. So here's where you can find her. First of all, her website is Courtney Recovered. So she spells her first name C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y. So CourtneyRecovered.com. She said also she parties the most on Instagram. So that's sober dot vibes uh you can check out her book that came out which i just think is so fascinating so the the title of the book is sober vibes a guide to thriving in your first three months without alcohol 
you better believe that I am going to be picking that up. Um, It's also available as a Kindle. So that's pretty neat. And then she's a podcast. So if you want to listen to her more and just kind of switch back and forth and still listen to us, you can check out Sober Vibes podcast. That's it for me. Thank you to Courtney. Thank you to all of you for making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.